Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Dayton, Ohio, it's time for Dayton Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Dayton Business Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today, I have with me Heather Salazar, and she is with Pink Ribbon Girls. Welcome. Thank you. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Pink Ribbon Girls. How are you serving folks? Well, we're doing, we, Pink Ribbon Girls provides meals, house cleaning, rides to treatment, and peer support for women and their families battling breast and gynecological cancers. We provide three meals a week for your entire family, um, house cleaning two times a month, and as many rides to treatment as you need to get through your process. So uh, how'd you get into this line of work? What got uh, got you into this? Well, I had breast cancer when I was 31. Um, before I had breast cancer, I was kind of in social work and nonprofit work, and we had adopted our fourth child. She was raised right here in Dayton in the foster care system, 17 different foster care homes. And her mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, and she passed away at the young age of 24. A year after her mom passed away, I was diagnosed with the same kind of breast cancer, but it was early stage. And then from there, uh, you saw the need when you were going through all the process. So, correct. Yeah, I got, well, I got really frustrated and mad and kind of hated the pink ribbon. And truthfully, I never thought I would do anything like this. And then um, I just realized that my community and my family came around me and offered this for my family. But um, Lexi's mom, Alexis, didn't have any support. And so, as we know, cancer is not prejudiced or biased. And so I wanted it to be something that's really tangible, like these three meals a week. I mean, I feel like where most people are aware of breast cancer. And I wanted to be able to really help and come around the person after they were diagnosed. Now, for you, you mentioned you were working in social work and you were familiar with some of the bureaucracy and some of the challenges with those systems. But had you ever like kind of started a nonprofit like this before? Uh, no. <laughs> When I was 14 years old with my church, I did start, we, we started the clubhouse, which was an inner city after school reading program that was at Parkside Projects and then moved to Old North Dayton. So, but I hadn't, you know, I actually worked with the kids. I didn't start, you know, the actual nonprofit. <clears throat> so now what was the learning curve there? Like, did you find mentors or how'd you get that going? Because that has its own challenges. Yeah, it does. I was able to, so I was able to write a grant when we first started to a billionaire out of Texas named Lester Smith. And I thought it was kind of a joke. And in the grant world, I knew enough about that we shouldn't have gotten the grant because we didn't have any money. We didn't have any sustainability. I had like a pipe dream to offer these three meals, this house cleaning, rides to treatment. And they announced the winners of this grant on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And PRG was a winner of a $45,000 matching grant. At the time, about eight years ago, our budget was right at $100,000 to start. And um, he basically was like, I believe in your seed and sent a little sticky note. And he was a businessman, not really a grant person. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I was able to get matched, completely matched by Pat and Tom Robinson out of Troy. Um, the Duke Foundation. Mm -hmm. And Pat that said to me at the time, make sure you surround yourself by people that are have strengths in your weaknesses. Make sure you have doers, donors, and door openers. That's good advice for any business right there. 
Yes, it is. And so I formed a board and I asked awesome people in Dayton to be on my board that should have said no, because we weren't really starting. And I asked, you know, <clears throat> Vicki G. M. Brown and Dale Bruner and Jenny Lewis from the different hospitals. And they said yes. And we kind of started. And I joke with them now because when I asked them, I said, this isn't going to take any of your time. It's <laughs> just going to be really simple. I plan to work 10 hours a week. <laughs> da, 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 da. And so here we are eight years later. So. Now, um, when you look back, what what do you think made all this magic happen? Because it seems like these are amazing, uh, you know, I don't want to say coincidences, but uh, but opportunities where somebody with this kind of background, not to diminish it, but just these are long shots, right? right. Uh, in multiple right. areas. So I think grit is a lot of it. And I think that I was super passionate um, about the cause. And so if you gave me $10,000, I can say thank you so much. That was 1,420 meals. And I just listened to my board and my mentors, like stay true to our focus. I said at the very beginning, because I have this tendency to want to help everybody with everything. And so, you know, um, if you needed help with your rent or your house payment, I would have wanted to do all of that. And, and we wouldn't have been able to sustain. And so we just stayed true to meals, house planning, rides to treatment. Last year, um, we gave, we served 108,000 meals, 108,000 meals, and we gave 6,900 rides to treatment. So now how do you kind of f- facilitate that, the rides and the meals and the, you know, the packing, delivery, all that? That's kind of a logistics company at that point. Correct. So we, we work in Ohio. So we're in Ohio, Missouri, and San Francisco right now. So in Ohio, we use a company called Scratch Catering, and they have been with us from the beginning. And um, they originally started helping us um, cook the meals, and they were a catering company. And we delivered the meals in Sam's bags, literally like Sam's or Costco bags. And we worked with interns from different colleges. And in month three, we had 400 meals, which we couldn't get all over the state of Ohio. And I was like, we have to figure out how to ship these meals. And we didn't know how to do it. And the catering company didn't know how to do it. And they just worked tirelessly because the owner believed in the mission. His mom died of cancer. And so we figured out how to ship the meals. We started out with UPS and FedEx. And now we work with Rush Transportation and Logistics. They came on as a women-owned business partner for us. And give us a sustainable, a huge discount. And they deliver all the meals in Ohio. In Ohio, we also work with car dealers such as Dave Arbogast. They have donated all of the vehicles. And then we hire people to drive our patients to treatment, whether they're stay-at-home moms, retired teachers, retired nurses. That's been amazing that way. In California, we use a national company and then Uber Health provides all of our rides. So now has the pandemic impacted the you know that side of the business? So that's scary. Um, so the pandemic... Our, our services increased, right? Because you have people that are at risk that are at super critical need, both socioeconomically and within fighting cancer. I can't, I can't even imagine going through stage four cancer or stage two cancer and then not knowing how you're going to feed your kids. So we just, we just decided that what was right for us, even though we weren't sure how we were going to fund it, was to offer anybody that was food insecure two extra meals per week. So in many of these cases in Dayton, in the Dayton area, kids were getting free lunches at school and free breakfast. And now their mom's sick, they're immune compromised, they can't go out, and they they need those extra meals. And so we just rallied, and it was scary because I don't know, right? Our biggest event of the year in Dayton raises almost a million dollars, and that's in September. 
So, you know, I don't have all of those answers to the questions, but Dayton's pretty awesome and they come around their people. And so we were able to get a grant through the Dayton Foundation. We were able to get a huge grant from Gala of Hope and they, and that's how we were able to come um, support that need of the extra meals. And that's something a lot of people don't understand the unintended consequences of uh, all those kids that are, are at home. Right that they don't realize that that might be their one or two meals that they're getting that day. And then when that exactly you know, lifeline's cut, then they're kind of scrambling. Right. And even to say it flippantly, like I've had people say it flippantly, like, well, there's, you know, the food bank's offering this or there's extra meals here at this. And, but I'm like, they're sick. I mean, they're sick. They can't leave. You know what I mean? They're very, they're very immune compromised to go out and especially with the unknowns. And so, you know, when we were able to do that, our caterer came on board and across the, across all five regions, we were able to continue and it increased, it increased us by about 30% a week, which is a lot, especially, like I said, when you don't always know where your funding's come, we raised about 60% of our money in September and October. Um, but I just feel like it was the right thing to do. And it was really true to our mission. And I feel like, I mean, my gut is just that it's going to work out and that we did the right thing. So now that original billionaire guy, is he still in the loop? Oh, he is the best. His name was Lester Smith. So this is the greatest thing ever. So in year five, he flew his private jet to UD and he was the speaker for us. And he said, you know, I never to be able to see that this happened is just so inspiring to him. And he was a great, it was a great speaker. And then he, he, um, the great story is he fell in love with Mike Phelps, um, potato chips because <laughs> we gave him like a taste of Dayton in, in his bag. And um, so he about two years ago had to have a double lung transplant and I sent him like false potato chips every other week and he was so happy. And unfortunately just through all the surgeries and everything, he passed away about three months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. But he was great. And we're I'm still in touch with his wife and, you know, what's interesting is that he gave away 20 to 20 nonprofits this $45,000. Okay. And he said we were the only nonprofit that followed up with him consistently. Wow. That's another good lesson for business people out there. The importance of follow up yeah. and staying connected. And I never asked him, I never asked him again. Like he gave another $70,000 that year when he came in at Ignite. And then I um, kept following up and he would just send random, you know, donations. In Texas, I've learned when oil's good, it's good. When oil's bad, you know? <laughs> so, so now, yeah, he was one of a kind. Now, what's next for Pink Ribbon Girls? So, um, I don't know for sure. We're, you know, uh, we are a nonprofit. When we had a consultant come in, we can't find another nonprofit nationally that kind of does what we do. There's piecemeals or support, online support. I think that critical care is so important. And I think we have so many transplants in so many areas. And even though Ohio is kind of homegrown, we have so many people from the base. And it's, so we serve everyone, whether we don't care what your income status is. I mean, we feel like the people who can give back because we know breast cancer isn't prejudice. And there are many times that people have used our services and just the meals are so healthy and so delicious, which is very important to me from when I was sick that we, you know, we've served the poorest person and we've served as a multimillionaire. And I think that as we continue to grow, we just want to stick to the mission and stick to, to serving that way. Um, San Francisco has been a little bit of a challenge being out there just, you know, you can't get to San Francisco in a day, but, um, 
it's been really good. And we've had some really um, critical people step up and kind of see what's going on in our mission, like the CEO of Uber Health and things like that have asked us and continue to see what it takes to serve their patients and stuff like that. So that's kind of where we're working now. Now, how did you choose those other two markets to get involved in? So that's a, that's a good question. So, um, so Lexi, um, the, our daughter that we adopted is, um, the cutest little thing you've ever seen. And she's this crazy athlete. And I said, I can say that cause she doesn't have our genes. So we were in um, Phoenix for a soccer tournament. She plays high level soccer. And I was there and at this time, this was 2017 and PRG um, had just hit like the 1.5 million annual budget. We were, and I only had three or four people working and I was buried in emails. And so I was sitting there at the airport trying to answer the emails and she came up to me and there was this guy sitting beside me and she's like, mom, can I have $5 for Starbucks? And um, I said, sure. And the guy said, did you adopt her? And I was like, clearly, because she's African-American. And um, I was like, clearly, and I didn't have any time for this guy. Well, anyways, he was one of the original people that created the software for Amazon to become a multi-platform seller, <laughs> sold it to Jeff Bezos and worked for Jeff Bezos for two years. And he is creating artificial intelligence for breast cancer. And, um, he just was so intrigued and just whatever. And so they have been able to use the AI to detect breast cancer so early. And they're working with John Hopkins and Stanford and WashU in St. Louis. And so they got all their data set from WashU. And so he flew me out there to talk to them. And then WashU decided that they wanted PRG to serve our, their patient St. Louis. And so, and then after that, we were on the Today Show with um, Megan Kelly and Joan London. And Joan London's like, if you, I go, I want this to be national. And she's like, well, you have to be able to operate on the West Coast. It's like its own country. If you can operate out there, you know, you have a great shot at this. This is an amazing organization or whatever. So then we started in St. Louis because that's where the AI company was getting their data set. And then they live in Silicon Valley. So we've been in Silicon Valley. We've been in Stanford, like the site, uh, the um, Palo Alto Valley Medical Area for about nine months. And we've given, served about, 2,000 meals and given about 500 rides to treatment. So that's kind of how that happened. So uh, for you as the CEO and from where you started to where you are now, um, as a leader, how have you seen yourself grow and expand into the role? Yeah, that is a great question. And it has been huge. And just to be honest, I, I think you have to be willing to get your butt kicked and you have to be willing to learn. And especially last year, I feel like I was in meetings that I didn't belong in with people that were like, you know, crazy, like that I never thought, like, I don't know, this, like the founder of Google Maps and stuff. <laughs> and just to be able to ask them questions and grow. And sometimes I had to feel really you know, like I didn't know because I didn't know, but um, just to keep getting back up. I mean, just to keep getting back up and facing that adversity. And I think for me personally, it's because I, every time I have to go to a funeral of a young mom, when I have to hug their seven and eight year old, and I think their kids' faces are etched in my head forever. And I don't know why I got to live and they didn't. I want to be able to serve them and make their life as best as it can be for as long as they're here. And that's what keeps me going. Now, if somebody wanted to get involved, uh, whether just to donate or to as a business person to get involved and help you in your mission, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? So, um, well, they can email me or call me, but our pinkribbongirls.org has all of the information. 
and um, my emails on there and all of the contact information. And, you know, I just, I can't say enough great things about um, Dayton and how these businesses have gotten around us. I don't know if you've seen any of the pink trucks around or whatever, and they just support us at, you know, $10,000, the pink truck, and they come to the event and they just come around us and just support this mission like nothing I've ever seen. And I just, I love this community for that. Well, Heather, thank you so much for sharing your story and doing the work you're doing. It's important work and you're making an impact uh, in Dayton and all over the country. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Dayton Business Radio.